Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This podcast is a Royfield Brown production. Find others on iTunes. All right. Yeah, I know. In an uncertain world, there is always music which can be listened to in good company. Welcome to Friday 15, the show where we speak to friends and interesting people to the backdrop of great tunes and allocate 15 minutes to both. Today we speak to veteran reggae musician Phil Callender of the In Crowd about his life in Jamaican music. Wallacein Owale Abidja is better known by his stage name, Mr. Easy. He is a Nigerian singer and songwriter. Credited as the pioneer of Banku music, Skin Tight is the perfect exponent of 2017's version of Afrobeat. Are you ready? If you give your heart to me. I no go let you go. Where well, I no go do you? Saba saba, baby, trust in me. When you give your heart to me, I no go let you go. Where well, I no go do you? Saba saba, baby, trust in me. I go do your body like skin tight. Where well, I go do it by your side. Ten times when I no get to see car, you do by my side. So make a day your body like skin tight. Oh, sweet you. Uh-huh. Hey, 
Jamaica in the 1960s, just when it seems like all the Jamaicans are going in the opposite direction. Um, yes. Why did you make that move? Okay, um, there was a bit of some trouble in Panama with regards to um, some communism that was being infiltrated throughout the, um, the Americas. Uh-huh. There were some riots and some stuff that took place. So tell us about the Jamaica that you moved to musically. Uh, what year are we talking? And tell us about the music scene of that time. Okay, I'm, I'm going to get into trouble here. Um, <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> I have a problem with dates, and sometimes I, I don't really remember the well, year. But... Well, t- tell us about the musical scene of the early early yeah. 1960s that you encountered yeah, in Jamaica. Yeah, early, yeah. In the early 60s, when I arrived in Jamaica, um, I was very much um, fascinated with the music and the culture in the country. Even though uh, Panama had its own salsa and the mambo, right? Mm-hmm. Coming here, hearing um, a different type of music, the reggae and um, the ska and the mento was um, very, very um, exciting for me. And I quick tried to, to infiltrate into the music as quickly as possible, right? And how did like, you do that? How did you get into the, the music scene? Originally, I didn't know anybody but as in, in terms of music, any musicians at all, but I used to go to the clubs, popular clubs in Jamaica, right, and listen to the, the, the popular bands that were playing, the Skatalites, Carlos Malcolm, the Vikings, those were top bands in those days. Mm-hmm. And every time there were, there were shows and concerts, I was there, you know? And also, listening keenly to the radio stations, also playing the music, right? Eventually, I met some friends who put me on to some musicians. During that period, I didn't do any form of music in Panama at all. It's only upon coming here, I decided to run some experiments. I wasn't formally trained, but I started to practice and play around with the drums, which I liked a lot. And um, there were some friends who helped me. I met um, a fellow named Edley Jones, who was a popular musician and engineer down at Studio One. It was by chance, I just happened to go down there listening because I'm always like to follow, listening to the music and I knew the scatterlights were down there. Mm-hmm. He saw me outside and... So, to, uh, tell, tell me how important the scatterlights and Studio One were at that time. How important they were to Jamaican music. As far as I'm concerned, they were the top ska band in that period and they were very, very popular. Right, and their songs were playing on the radio and they were playing um, doing shows and concerts. I think they were the beginning of, um, of a big movement of the music in Jamaica coming from the mental. I think that the ska was derived from um, some aspects of blue beat mm-hmm. and I think Catalysts were responsible for evolving from that. So something what they call the ska, which was a little faster than the blue beat. And um, I, they were responsible for starting that whole kind of music that started to take the world by storm. So, so tell us about your, your first session. How did that come about? Who were you playing with and for? I was um, introduced to Studio One by, by a friend called Eric Freter, who was a guitarist with a band that I was involved in called The Virtues that I was playing with. And he was also a member of the Studio One band. Just to say quickly that um, 
they were having a session one day and the, the, the drummer didn't turn up. So he asked me to come quickly to come and fill in for the drummer. And I went there and that was my first involvement with um, recording music and with um, the studio and group. I thought that I was just being just filling in for one day or so, but the drummer apparently had migrated, so um, they kept me on. And, and then tell us exactly how the, the life of a studio musician actually worked then. Did you have to you know, clock in five, five days a week? Um, what, what was the production schedule like? Right, um, that's exactly so. We, we, we used to have to clock in, right, um, from 10 till 5, and we were paid weekly, which that wasn't exactly the proper thing, payment for musicians. On the other side of it, musicians were paid by the, the song. But Coxon had his own um, method of, of doing things, and we were glad for that because it was an opportunity for me and many other musicians to be able to um, get the studio experience that we, we really wanted and the exposure. So that was the routine. And we played it uh, Monday to Friday, and we collected our paycheck on, on a Friday. And then tell us about some of those kind of vintage songs that you would have played along to at that period. Well, when I arrived in the studio, one of the first songs that I played on was a Ken Boot song called Come Tomorrow, which was a Rocksteady song. And I was working with musicians like Jackie Mitou and Boris Gardner, many others. So some of the songs that I played on during that period were some of the Eptones songs. Uh, I just need to mention that um, the Eptones were, were already working on their music and their album. And you had um, Joe Isaacs, who was part of the original group before I came there, which was called the Soul Vendors, and played on songs like um, Eptone songs like Pretty Looks, Part of Time. But it was mainly um, Rocksteady. Uh-huh. That's the song we were playing. Now, I need to quickly jump in, and um, I need to move you forward about 10 years from the from the late 60s to, to the late 70s. And uh, you need to tell me about this song that you've nominated, because you took me by surprise here, sir. You've nominated Mind Blown Decisions by, by Heatwave. Um, why is that one of your favourite pieces of music? During that time, I admired the group, the Heatwave, a lot because of their harmony structures. And I love the, the, the lead singer, the sound of his voice. Also, I, I, I fell in love with their songwriting. That song in particular, um, it, it just fitted in with all this, the sort of um, sounds that I had in my head that I, was, I wanted to experiment with. I, I think the song is just a, a, a really great song that was put together by a, a fantastic group. Trying to convince her that there is no need for doubt 
tell myself again to think deep within and remember when we first met we were only friends throw a kiss or try to taste her tender lips will these be the factors that will make our life a trip but just in case things don't settle well with her I'll say that I'm sorry and keep hoping for the How to go Is she mine I want to know So don't think I must admit that song always reminds me of being about eight years old and going to the school disco and it was one of the first records I played as a DJ at age eight or nine at uh, Green Arm School Disco. So thank you for uh, bringing back pleasant memories by choosing that piece of music. Incidentally, you know, where we were on a tour to England during between 1977, I think, that song was the number one song. It had gone into the, the charts, and I think it was number one or number two, I don't remember, but it was one of the top songs that were playing. It was very, very um, exciting for me. Now, moving back to your career, um, so you played at Studio One, uh, and a lot of the seminal hits out of that studio you were a part of. Then you moved to the Black Ark Studio and performed under the tutelage of Lee Scratch Perry. How different was, was that studio from Studio One? Lee Scratch Perry, he was also um, working at Studio One as a producer. Uh-huh. So um, he knew most of the musicians. And when he left to Studio One to start his own studio, um, Coxon was just about closing down. So he recruited all the musicians and took them over to his studio. I don't know if there's any musician at all of any note that didn't play at Scratch Studio, you know, during that time. Being at Scratch Studio, it was a little different in terms of his style 
and so on. But we quickly learned and fitted in. How would you describe um, the difference in his style? Scratch was a unique fellow and he was always experimenting and doing some weird things. And mm-hmm. at the time, he thought that um, some of them was kind of quirky. History um, as, as, as status that um, what he was doing um, was really brilliant. I think Scratch was one of the persons who was responsible for um, originating reggae, which was, there were other musicians who were already doing that, but he played a big part. So a lot of his songs were of a reggae nature. I think that um, Scratch, uh, he was very original in, 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 in things that he, stuff that he was trying. So a lot of things that we played down there, we learned for the first time in terms of a new style of reggae. So you're talking about a new style of reggae, something like War in, War in a Babylon. Um, could you tell us tonally, structurally, why that record um, is, is so different? Why, could, why was a tune like that could only come out of uh, the Scratch Perry Studios? Uh, that's a good question. Um, in terms of his engineering, then um, he had some different ideas. He put in some funny sounds into his song, in, in terms of most of his songs. He was one of the first persons to experiment with a sort of phased sound in his studio that he threw out the whole rhythm track. Mm-hmm. War in a Babylon was one of the, the first, but it was one of the songs that came up with that sound. Aside from the song being a very good song, still. Uh, some unique vibes with regards to it but I think from the sound aspect right um, mm-hmm. I think it was something new that the world was hearing for the first time um, so Warner Babylon the Black Black Art Studios that's got to be towards the end of the 70s and I suppose by then the sound of reggae is definitely being established and Bob Marley's taken it globally um, within the UK, the sound becomes a, a little bit softer. There is Lovers Rock. And it's around about yes. that time that you helped form the in-crowd. Tell us about the in-crowd, the sound that you created and the people uh, that you worked with. Just to let you know that in-crowd was a band that we were already playing while I was at Studio One. And there were guys that were living on, were living most of us on the Malayan Road era. Robbie Lynn and myself. And, and my brother and a couple of those and, and Mikey Boo was a drummer and we were playing as a dance band the dance band is a band that operates like a disco you play all of the popular songs all of the top 10 uh-huh. hits so we were doing that kind of music but we didn't we weren't involved in any type of recording so to speak during that period and then by 1975 uh, what happened is our fellow named Clive Hunt recorded a song called Milk and Honey but he didn't use the band. But he just he used the name of the band and put out the song and the song was an instant hit. So that kind of propelled us a bit in terms of a name aspect. Why do you think the band was so successful specifically in Britain? What was it about uh, you bunch of Jamaicans that, yes, reggae was, was popular in, in the UK at that time, but you guys charted in the British chart a couple of times and kind of dominated to, to a degree uh, the UK reggae charts. What was it about your sound that translated so well to the UK? Um, that's a very good question. You know. I mean, to this day, I, I'm not sure if I know the, the, re- the full reason. I started to experiment, experiment with writing songs. Came up with some, a couple of songs. We went down to, to Channel One and recorded our first song, which was His Majesty's Coming. I tried to um, emulate some of the groups that were around at the time. The fact that the songs 
hit it big in, in, in England and Europe, I am still surprised because it was a number of years that we were uh, we had released some of the songs and over a 30 year period, I have, I'm now learning that the songs are so big um, in terms of the, 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 the following that we have. So I, I don't know if I know the full answer to that, except that we were coined a lover's rock band. So maybe that, that could be an answer, but I, I'm not so sure. Now, just before we, we sign off, obviously I know that you guys have uh, kind of got back together. You've got a new album um, on its way, but you have to tell me about Back a Yard. Tell me one thing I don't know about your, for me, your, your favourite track, Back a Yard. A funny thing, you know, we, we were recording, um, trying to finish up the album before we, shortly before we came to England on a tour. And Bakayal was actually the last track that was recorded during that period. I knew that there were a lot of musicians and singers and people in England who loved reggae and loved the Jamaican music, but they were actually living and, and were born in, 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 in Europe and England, right? So I wanted to compliment them by writing a song that would explain a lot about the culture um, in the music. A kind of happy-go-lucky sound to, to celebrate Jamaica and, and our culture. Phil, um, in an illustrious career, you've been given many accolades and awards. Uh, in 2006, it was a tribute to the greats. You've had a musical honour award by the Jamaican reggae music industry. But I think maybe the pinnacle, the top award, was the Order of Distinction in 2013, which came from the government of Jamaica yes. itself at a national awards ceremony. Um, what exactly does that mean to you? And tell us about that day when you got that award. Well, it, it, it meant a lot to me, and um, I was kind of glad to receive it, but surprised. Um, I felt that um, most of the musicians during my period, they were not honored and, and uh, accepted including myself well getting an award like that was, was something that i'm um, getting some kind of recognition was i i really accepted musicians and athletes in jamaica are, are, are neglected a lot you know especially the, the the original musicians and athletes that started the whole thing you know but i i was glad to get that award i was hoping that um, it, it would have been the band would have gotten the award and just in i was a bit disappointed that um Musicians were just single out from the group and just get get, get a, an award once. Like, for instance, Boris Gardner got an award and Jackie Mitoo got an award. But Eric Freiter and, and, other, and other musicians who were there prominently building up the history weren't recognized, you know? But just to say that I'm, I'm, I'm pleased that I was selected, right? And um, I consider it a great honor. Well, Phil Callender, it's been a great honour having you on Friday 15. May you live long and prosper and create uh, more rhythm patterns to more memorable music. Thank you, man. I appreciate that. Perfect. We're done. I've got enough to cut for two shows. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Mama Said is the second studio album by American rock musician Lenny Kravitz. Released in April 1991, Mama Said sits at the crossroads of funk and rock and is his biggest hit to date.
led by Gilberto Phil Callender on vocals and lead guitar. We end the show with the in crowds. We play reggae. I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com/switch. $45 up front for 3 months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hope you enjoyed this week's show. Don't forget, you can follow the show's progress on Facebook by simply typing in Friday 15. You can also find us on Twitter, where you can follow me, where I'm at Royfield, spelled R-O-I-F-I-E-L-D. Now, every Thursday, you can jump onto Twitter and tweet me and nominate a song for me to put into this week's Friday 15. 
iTunes reviews, folks, are extremely important. They're the lifeblood of any podcast. Please go onto iTunes and write us a, a glowing review. And don't forget, finally, you can email me where I'm Royfield, spelled R-O-I-F-I-E-L-D, at gmail.com. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. See you all again in seven days' time for more good music and great conversation.